coveting your prayers for the General Assembly this week. We have the call to worship. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts, to be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Let's bow hearts and heads in sign of preparation for worship. Let us stand and sing hymn 183, 183.
us pray. We are indeed thankful, Lord, that we can sing hallelujahs to you, and grateful, God, that we can gather together to praise your name, and that we have the blood of Christ Jesus and your mercies and your covenant grace upon us. We ask, Lord, for continued mercies this evening and throughout this week, God, and that we will continue to grow in sanctification and holiness. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I meant to warn you, it's a four-beat, right? My wife warned me, so... We have Psalm 108. Pardon? Um, Psalm 108, we'll sing the first five stanzas.
Thanks, God, that you do indeed own all the cattle on a thousand hills, and you own all the hills and all the mountains and all the land and oceans across this earth and across this universe, Lord. It is all yours, for you have created it, and you are the creator of all things, Father above. And you are our Father in particular, a Father by covenant, Lord, as we who are your people are drawn unto you by your Spirit. We are thankful, God, that we can praise you, that we can come before you with our hearts laid bare as your people, and we need to pray, God, for one another, to carry one another's burdens, to continue to grow in fruit of the Spirit and love for one another, God, and to admonish one another, and to fulfill what we are called in all the one another passages of the New Testament, God. We pray in particular for our family and friends, that we would continue to grow in love, and to help, and to Grow in sanctification even, Lord, to carry one another's burdens, to help admonish one another. We're thankful, Lord, for our friends and for our families, God, that you would continue to help us, help them, and they help us as well, Lord, whether they be members of our church or another. For those who are immature and struggling, God, may we uh, be kind towards them and encourage them, Lord, and uh, have understanding of how to uh, make them stretch, we pray, uh, more spiritually. If not, Lord, certainly we are called... Uh, to be patient and continue to always pray, God. We pray, Lord, for other Christians of different convictions, and that we would um, continue, Lord, to be their friends, Lord, and certainly family members, if they are family members, God, and pray for their maturation and understanding of your word and practice as well, God. We pray, Spirit of Truth, that we would continue to show such uh, love, even as we have perhaps different churches that we go to, Lord, and different uh, theological traditions to some extent, our God and Savior, and that they would understand we don't separate this way because we wish to be difficult, but rather, Lord, we wish to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray the same for them. We ask in particular, God, for our health in the situations we find ourselves in, some of us with chronic ailments and others with seasonal difficulties, God, and others who've discovered something hard upon their bodies, Lord, and that has surprised them. Whatever the case may be, Lord, we... We desire, God above, that we would have good access and help from doctors, Lord, and other ways to take care of our body, and that we would persevere, especially for those who have little recourse to deal with their sicknesses and ailments. Our gracious spirit of truth, we pray that they would persevere and that they would know we are with them to help them as best we can, God, and that they would look forward to the hope of the resurrection, of the return of Christ Jesus, when they will have a better body in this and broken, broken flesh and shell of ours will be totally transformed beyond what we can fully understand, God. We long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask also, Lord, because of our love for the brothers and sisters, God, that we know very little about, but God, we know that they are baptized and they are members of the body of Christ. For the persecuted across this world, persecuted Christians, God, who have enemies around them, who've lost their churches, lost their homes, lost their families. May you comfort them, Lord, that although they lose all these things, that they will be returned a hundredfold in the next life, as you promised them. It is very hard, God, to be sure. May we continue to help as best we can with our foreign missionaries. And, uh, Lord, with our prayers, certainly, God, and what we can do to help them and pray for them and understand what's going on. Sometimes it would be very hard, often it seems, to know exactly how much persecution is going on, what exactly are the facts on the ground. Lots of it is um, 
convoluted at times, especially in China, as we've discovered with our contacts there. A lot of confusion, Lord, but we do know persecution is real and has occurred, especially in Muslim lands and the atheist lands. And to a lesser extent, Lord, unfortunately, even in the West. So God Almighty, be with your churches. Help them stand firm. Give them the ministers they need in those persecuted areas, God. And give them wisdom to preserve their life, not just the life of their body, but especially the life of their soul. They would not deny Jesus Christ, but cling to him. Lord, yes, daily. Help them find the supplies they need, and the food, and the jobs, and whatever else, God, uh, to persevere here in this world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glorious three in one, as we, your people this evening, close this, your day, the precious day of the Lord's day, to hear your sermons, to sing praises before you, uh, to bring our prayers and offerings, God, not just publicly, but also privately as families throughout the day that they would be received through the blood of Christ Jesus, and that we would be blessed and strengthened, God, and encouraged to know that you are with us as you promised in your word, and that you've given us the family of God with friends, so many friends and people who are desirous to help one another and to give us good advice and direction in life as we will go over in the sermon this evening, God. And these are blessings indeed uh, from your hand. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in gratefulness and in boldness to carry on our duties throughout this week. For your glorious namesake, God, and for the expansion of your kingdom, amen. We now have the tithes and offerings. rise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We ask for your blessings upon these tithes and offerings, God, not that we can boast before the world, but, Lord, that we can continue to use the further blessings, God, that you've given us individually as couples and as families uh, for your kingdom's sake, God, and through these tithes and offerings. Use them, we pray, God, as only you can in your providence. Amen. You may be seated. Let us turn to our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 27. There will be a change of pace. I'll be going through 1 Corinthians, the New Testament. Meanwhile, we're at Proverbs 27, verse 6. Let us listen attentively to the Word of God. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Let us pray. Gracious Spirit, Almighty God, with these words we ask that we would be encouraged to persevere in finding and keeping good friends and faithful friends, Lord, especially Christian friends, our God, and be thankful for what we do have. In your name we pray. Amen.
This is a well-known, I think, proverb among us. We've all probably heard at least once in the many years that we have been Christians. And I would like to take it and unpack some of it, as well as other ideas, through the book of Proverbs. I've been preaching topically through it because it covers a lot of topics um, scattered all in different ways and sundry manners throughout the majority of the book in proverbial small snippets of pearls of wisdom. And so the first point I have is to go over what friendship is and what it entails. What friendship entails for our life. And in particular, I'll start with the biblical usage, how the word is used and the idea is used in the Bible. Clearly, it is a a commitment to another person based on uh, shared interest and love upon them, a uh, godly love to be sure, ideally, although the world has friends to be sure. We cannot uh, under uh, downplay that fact that there are basically two types of friends, friendship, a natural friendship we have with people, and a supernatural friendship. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But here the broader idea of friendship, the word there in the Old Testament can be translated anywhere from neighbor to companion or friend. Interestingly enough, New Testament has a similar usage of the word in the Greek, and there is an Old Testament word that is more specific than just the uh, neighbor uh, or friend, but a confidential friend that's used a few times in the Proverbs as well, but not always exclusively that way. Now, I mentioned friendship deals with shared interests, attraction uh, that we have towards one another in that sense. Typically, like in America, there'll be sports, there'll be hobbies, Uh, maybe a job that we share in common, books and games. Because friends, as we know, there are degrees of friendship, uh, don't deal with everything in life. We have friends that we have shared interests with. Others we have broader interest levels and cover a lot more things that we have in common even, not just shared interests only, but what we share in in life and where we've grown up perhaps and and expectations and the like. And the shared interest and desire to be committed to one another and love, that kind of friendship love, phileo, New Testament word there, in spite of differences. It's the other thing you have with friendship. You have differences to be sure, but the differences are so strong that you can't be friends. Because there can be differences so strong you, you cannot be friends, and in fact you should not be friends. That should be taken for granted. But I wanted to highlight that fact. And of course, friendship is a form of love, and that's why that word in the New Testament that you're aware of, city of brotherly love, uh, that word there, love, is related to friendship often. Now, in action, of course, friendship involves, well, in Christian circles, we would say, the fruit of the Spirit. Patience and kindness, even self-sacrifice for one another. 1 Corinthians 13.5, we read, Love does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, and the list goes on. That list can also entail friendship. That's what you do with friends. You put up with a lot. Uh, you do not seek your own. You seek uh, their best interest at times. Uh, is not easily provoked with our friends and the like. And so friendship, again, uh, broadly conceived and used in the Bible, covers various degrees of friendship, various levels of shared interest, both background and also hobbies and the like, and the things that you uh, like to do or are interested in doing and practicing. It's also a form of love and has various sundry ways of evidence of friendship and love for one another. 
Now, there's another explanation here about friendship and understanding what's going on with friendship in everyday life, is that there are different types of friends for different parts of life. That should make sense. Because part of friendship, as I pointed out, is the degrees and range of friends. You have close friends, right? The closest, smallest inner circle of friends. And then as it goes out, you have just friends, not close friends. And maybe we say they're acquaintances, and usually they're people at work. And it happens over time and over age that we have different friends for different parts of life, different phases of life. When you're younger, you have more energetic friends. Obviously, as you get older, your friends may change. Maybe they didn't grow up with you, although historically often they did because you didn't leave the local town. You didn't go any further than five miles away. Today, of course, that happens that we move a lot, and so we make new friends as time goes on. But even with staying in the same area of a five-mile radius, you would have different friends for different shared interests and different levels of agreeableness that you get along. So we need to understand that, that it's not just you have a friend or you don't have a friend, you have degrees of friend, you have different friends for different occasions, and that's okay. It is not wrong. It is not necessarily selfish, not necessarily you trying to use somebody. It's that you hit it off and you have these shared interests and shared ideas and shared goals in life, perhaps. A shared past that you talk about. And that's fine. Now, to talk about church friends, right? Some about friends in general, which includes the idea of friendship in the natural realm. That is, those who aren't Christians, you can be friendly towards and maybe friends with. You grew up with them and have a much shared common and interest. Uh, but there's always going to be that gulf between you and that natural friend who's not supernaturally born again. Won't there be? Of course there will be. They know there's something different. They know your commitment's are different, even though you share perhaps a lot of same things. You grew up together. It could be a family member who's a close friend of yours. But there's always going to be that gulf, no matter how friendly you are and how much uh, you do things with one another, it will be there. Now, church friends in particular, friends in the church, uh, the idea there in the New Testament isn't, a, there's not a command to make friends per se, although it does talk about being loving towards one another, and perhaps even friendly towards one another. The biggest metaphor, however, is not just friendship. Friendship is mentioned a few times, like in 3 John 1.15. At the end there, he says, Peace to you, he writes. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. That's its own word, friends. It's a unique word. John 15.13, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Friends are mentioned by name, even in the Christian context of the New Testament, but not often. It's kind of interesting that way. I don't believe it's saying, therefore, friends don't really exist in the church, but rather the main metaphor of the New Testament church is not friends as much as what? Family, right? Family, brothers and sisters, to greet our brothers, or as Paul calls Timothy, his son. But... I would argue that that metaphor and that picture of a family of God includes the idea of friendship because in every family there's some levels of friendship. You're not equally friends with everybody in your family. And you see that more, of course, if you have a large family of five, eight, ten kids. We don't see that as much today, but uh, my sister has that, and you can see different degrees of relationships that they have. It's all love. It's all, what, storgy, a natural affection. Even if you don't have shared interest, you still have the shared interest of, you're my sister, you're my brother, you're my father, you're my mother. 
and I will take care of you, even if I don't have a lot in common in terms of shared interests of life and goals and the like, because I am committed to you. So there are overlapping right categories there. Friendship isn't the same thing uh, as being a, a family member automatically, degrees of it, certainly. Uh, so, and another thing to highlight about church friends, the idea of friendship in the church, which is assumed there like in Third John, and in the metaphor, I would argue, of the family, is that just because someone is a Christian doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. We can't all be equal friends with everybody. That's just, again, because we are, what, finite? We have only so many time uh, minutes in the day, so many resources, so many shared interests, in fact. And so that happens in everyday life. You're not best friends with everybody in the church, and uh, you don't have to feel that you have to be best friends or even moderate friends, but at the very least you're going to be acquaintances and you're going to be brothers and sisters that do pray for one another and that in times of need will be there if possible. Others, of course, will be there quicker than you, in which case, well, they beat you to it. That happens, usually because they're already, what, close friends. They're already on top of what's going on in the other Christian's life, and that's okay. It's like a mini-society, that's what the, so the church is a holy nation, it's a mini-society, and you have smaller groups of people who get along better in different circumstances and scenarios. At the end of the day, we're all one family, and we put up with a lot. So, some characteristics of friendship. Before I get to the other three points, <laughs> I better, better move along here. There's a lot of characteristics, and I'm going to highlight three in the next point. Next uh, few points there. Friends counsel, friends correct, and friends comfort. Those are the three main outlined points there. But there's pictures of dedication and the like uh, in the Proverbs. Go ahead and look up the words, uh, the word friend if you want, and other related words. Proverbs 27.6, we already read, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, Proverbs 17.17, a friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27.10, Uh, A, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. So there's commitment there and dedication as well. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 is another one. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. We'll talk about a little bit about those in the next uh, three three points. But before I get to that final, those final three points, I want to highlight, yeah, it's a lot of, I don't want to break it to two sermons. I don't think I had enough material, but obviously there are friends you want. These are the friends you want. They give counsel, correction, and comfort. However it fits with you, right? You already have shared interest and the like. You may need comfort on your job or your shared interest and correction, not just in everyday life. This doesn't have to be a picture of best friends. That's not the point of this list. Everyone follow me here? That's not what I'm saying here. But even in areas where they're not best friends, if you're an acquaintance on the job, hopefully you're such a good acquaintance that if they need help, you can give them counsel that you maybe have to correct them. Hey, the boss is going to find out, I don't think you want to, this is not a good thing here. You don't have to be their best friend to do that. That's the point. Now, you want to avoid bad friends before you get to these good friend lists, these characteristics here. (laughs) And I want to give you some proverbs. So I'll just skip through these here and give you the proverbs. You can write them down. People are taking notes. There are bad friends. People with bad influence, you want to avoid. Proverbs 12, 6, 26. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them to astray. The righteous should choose their friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Peer pressure is real. Be careful who you choose. Those are the bad friends. There are fair weather friends. Proverbs 19, 6. 
In Proverbs 19.6 we read, Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. You think? (laughs) I always come to my mind when I remember this proverb is MC Hammer. I guess anyone over 50 remembers MC (laughs) Hammer from the 80s. And there was a video, a documentary on him. He lost most of his money. You know how? All of a sudden, everyone in the hood was his best friend. He admitted it. He was a Christian. I think he's still a Christian. And he gave it all away. Gave lots of it away. He got sucked dry. So it happens. And of course, unhelpful friends. And this will lead us into the three main points. (laughs) Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You don't want the friend who's not going to tell you you're wrong. That's not much of a friend. Again, even acquaintance. When I mean friend, best friend, 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 uh, moderate friend, acquaintance, friend. Even in the church, right, we're called to what? Admonish one another, Galatians 6.1. And you don't have to be my best friend. If you catch me cursing, if you catch me in some gross public sin, you don't have to be my friend to tell me I'm in a gross public sin. But you are being a friend when you admonish me when need be. That's the wounds of a friend. And so that leads us into these next three points. Friends give good counsel. Friends give, uh, give correction, which is what we just talked about a little bit here. Verse 6 of chapter 27. And then friends give comfort. Counsel, of course, who you hang out with will eventually influence who you are. You don't, uh, on the flip side, getting a good friend, or just a friend, is someone who doesn't constantly rub you the wrong way, basically. And, of course, the kind of friends you want who give you counsel, often the best kind of counsel when it comes to spiritual matters will be Christians. Not exclusively. Again, there's much wisdom in unbelievers, much good advice, in fact, in terms of economics. I've mentioned this before in case you forgot. A lot of the Proverbs, you can find similar Proverbs outside the Bible in ancient Near East culture. Because the wisdom of God, that is what we see in natural revelation, common sense, is everywhere. Whether they follow or not is a different question altogether. But when it comes to the counsels of the heart, especially, and of the soul, you must have Christians. That's very important to make sure that your best friends are Christians, whoever they may be. Friends, good, give, give good counsel. Proverbs 27.9 is the specific verse here for this point. Proverbs 27.9, friends, give counsel, good counsel. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. So it's like good perfume is good counsel. doesn't always work for me because I usually sneeze, but you guys get the point, obviously. It's the pleasantness and the sweetness of expensive perfume is godly counsel, not the cheap Walmart knockoff brands, but the good stuff is what good counsel is like. Good advice, good direction, Questions of work, where to work, when to work, how to work, who to work for, questions of marriage, life counseling, and all that. You can give that good advice if you are in that position to be that kind of a friend, and that's the kind of friend you ought to seek out. The next point is friends correct. So here we have the text I chose, Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
and they are deceitful. In this interesting contrast that we read here in this verse is the flip side. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That is, the kisses of an enemy, as someone who hates you, he's not going to outrightly wound you. He's not going to correct you because he's got a more devious goal at the end of the day. When someone's trying to take you out, when you're in warfare, one of the best ways is to surprise your enemy. And you don't surprise them by dressing up like the enemy, by dressing up like the devil and putting horns on, but you pretend that you're somebody you're not, and then you stick it to them with a shiv, right? The little knife you may have in prison, you shove it right in their kidneys. That's what this imagery here is. The kiss of an enemy are deceitful, and of course, what comes to mind, I think all of us, is Judas. They put on the airs of friendship, but real friendship involves correction. They will tell you when you are wrong. And people don't like to hear that. They don't want those kind of friends. I know that. It's hard. Because you end up being the bad guy. But that's the kind of friends we need. Not everybody can be that friend at all times. Again, we can't all be best friends. And you can't always, sometimes you feel helpless, like I wish I could, I could have said something, but I'm not in his inner circle. Not much I can do. I don't have any influence there. But when you can, this is what you must do. And this is the picture here, that you are a faithful friend. If you wound them when they need to be wounded and warned is, the, is what the imagery is pointing to. It says, as opposed to always being nice and happy and never saying anything that's offensive. The way I was raised, that just puts off red flags for me anyways. I, sorry. <laughs> I meet people and they're just always smiling and happy and they never say anything bad ever. And that's just the first time. Of course, you're going to be friendly. But, you know, a, a pastor is usually what comes to mind. I call them guy smileys. Sorry if it's a wrong stereotype, but that's what I've run across in my years of experience. Lots of kissing, lots of being nice. Never hear anything out of their mouth that says, that's probably wrong. That's bad. Get away from that. I need to wound you, because it's better to be wounded than killed. Correction there, that word is... Not just warn you from walking off the path of righteousness, but correction puts you back on the path. There's a Hebrew word for that. I've mentioned this before. A related word in Greek. To bring correction is usually the translation you see there. The correction is not just warning, but with ability and power to put you back on the right path. And certainly the church has that with respect to formal discipline, for example. And the police have that, right, with their badge and their guns. Not just talking, but power to enforce it and put them on the right path. The duties of the fifth commandment, question 126 we read, what is the general scope of the fifth commandment? The general scope of the fifth commandment is the performance of those duties which we mutually owe in our several relations as inferiors, superiors, and equals. And friendship is a category of equal. You could be of different age, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic abilities and like. Uh, but if you are a friend with somebody, in that friendship, that domain of friendship, a shared interest and commitment to one another, there's a level of equality in a sense. Never to the exclusion, of course, of the fact that the one member is older than you, he's, he knows all the mathematical problems, and you have to go to him to fix math problems or car problems or whatever the case is. That's a, these are superior that way. But with respect to friendship, I would argue, it is a category of equals. 
of equals. And equals means that we have a mutual responsibility to one another, and that includes saying the hard things when it needs to be said. Proverbs 27, 17, we read, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There's another proverb there of friendship. It's to be expected, especially in close friendship, again, in the categories, especially close friendship, the further out, the less so, to be able to sharpen iron, to be rough with one another, if need be, verbally. Say, look, this is stupid. Why, what, this is boneheaded. Why are you doing this? Examples of correction in the Bible. Nathan, of course, correcting David, the king, who could have killed him on the spot. Paul correcting Peter. And the like. The list goes on. We're going to go through some of that, in fact, if you look ahead in First Samuel this Wednesday. Friends also comfort. They not only give counsel, they not only give correction, they also give comfort. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 17, 17. He loves at all times, because that's part of the idea of friendship. Commitment to one another and love. A phileo love, of course, in particular, affection towards one another because of shared interests in particular. At all times, they're there for you. Again, especially close friends. And 1 Corinthians 13, of course, tells us what this, uh, gives a snapshot of love in general. And what else does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins, to be sure. And friends don't nitpick. That's part of love. You love at all times. You put up with a lot with your friends that you won't put up with other people. And that's okay. You see their mistakes and you correct them. That's good. That's part of love. But also part of love is to give comfort. Now, the word comfort isn't here, but it talks about a brother is born for adversity. And I would argue, given the way the, you know, the Hebrew is and the synonymous parallelisms, right? The parallelisms here. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So the idea of brother is paired with the idea of friend. Because again, in families, you have levels of friendship. And often you have a brotherly friendship, which is different than friends with your sister, for example. And so that kind of a good brother is one who's there during difficult times. I take it to be born for adversity is that he is there and ready for you to help you in your time of need. And part of your time of need is comfort. That's that's the simple connection I would make. Rest from the storm, encouragement perhaps, and whatever else you may need from your friend, from the love of your friend, and not just the sentimental love, of course, but the real life love that includes comfort. And say, yeah, I understand. We can do this together. I'm here to help you, or whatever that comfort looks like. Nevertheless, as much as you can be the best friend ever, as a friend who gives counsel, correction, and comfort, you will fail. And the friends around you, they will fail. You. That's always the case because of sin. They will fail us at some point. They will falter, maybe through ignorance. And so there is no perfect friend, brothers and sisters, except Jesus Christ. In Proverbs 18.24, the latter half we read, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now that happens in real life. We have friends that are closer than brothers we grew up with. That's true. 
But I take this to go further than that, which is Jesus Christ, who is the friend of sinners. As only the creator of the universe can be a friend of a sinner. Through his mercy and his love towards us, in spite of our sins. He will never leave nor forsake us. He gives us sweet counsel of the gospel. He gives us stern correction through the law. And he gives us comfort again through the gospel. (laughs) You need the law and the gospel. Like a sandwich. Gospel, law, gospel. God in his special providence for you, brothers and sisters, each one of you here, has given you friends. In your family, friends of the family, friends in the church, Degrees of friends, to be sure. Because he loves you, and he wants to give you that counsel and correction and comfort through those friends, especially Christian friends. Cherish them and be one of those friends as best you can. Because again, we all are limited in one way or the other. And always, above all, to rest and rely upon Christ and to know that your friends will sin. God and Christ Jesus shall never sin, and he will always be there for us. Let us be friends who follow Christ's example to counsel and correct and comfort, always, brothers and sisters, relying upon his love as he counsels and corrects and comforts us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. <sighs> Glorious God above, we are thankful for giving us Jesus Christ. We're thankful for giving us our friends. We're thankful, Lord, for the salvation that we have. And then we we continue to be friends for one another. In your name we pray, for your glorious name's sake. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing hymn 466, 466.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you.